I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't give a fuck about your president. Well, thanks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies. Sure, we're trying to talk about movies, but never really talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin, and our live musician for the week is... Jim's there, but... <laughs> Colin Heron. Colin Heron. And to my Pop left James. is... Daniel Killen. Yeah! And to yeah. his left is... Sean Coyle. Hey Dan. Hey buddy. Hey. How's it feeling your first podcast? They break your duck. Oh, it's great, you know. Yeah. I've always wanted to be here, but now I am. He has. Yeah. And one thing, just to introduce Dan to the listener, our seven listeners that we might have out there, yeah. is that Dan has been our number one supporter past the over the past right like four on, or five right weeks. Right He's been right on. Advertising for us, liking the podcast, watching the uh, podcast. Send them fake emails. <laughs> send them fake yeah, 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 yeah. emails. <laughs> so it's good they have them here. Sean Coyle, I believe your danger bottle this week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. Right, well, We were talking a couple weeks back about getting a bottle of sherry, and then we ended up getting Tesco Buckfast by accident. Uh, Tudor Rose, wasn't it? And it was a fucking write-off. Yeah. This week's danger bottle, in all fairness, it's sherry. And Tesco, as you know, again, Tesco, we were supported by... Everyone, every single fucking supermarket, but apparently, we got Morrison's, we got Sainsbury's, oh, Aldi, Tesco, Paul, that okay, they know what fucking supermarket <laughs> <laughs> I got it's, it's literally just called Pale Cream Sherry. Tesco obviously don't rock the boat when it comes to fucking naming or branding or anything, but it is one liter of sherry at 17.5%. And I kind of went out of the, the criteria this week, I, I paid a pound extra, but no fairness, like I said, they Mickey. Don must have spent about fucking twenty pound on last week's danger bottle, so it's fair game. Fucking, it's a law of the jungle now. Again, Tesco really don't fucking they, they really don't dive out when it goes to the fucking brand. And they're trying to entice you on their drink. They know it's cheap as fucking. We're all fucking alcoholics, so we'll go for it. It's so it is a medium sweet, rich fino based sherry with a golden color, pash color, and delicate bouquet. Oh, there you go. The flower things coming back. A bouquet. Uh, can be served at room temperature or chilled or in this tent at fucking about lava fucking temperature. That's one bouquet to only catch at a wedding. So, <laughs> I definitely catch us at a wedding. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, cracker wedding. Bonjour de la Donge. Right. Who was, shall I go first? Uh, it's on my hands, so fuck it. Oh, there, they get my laughing gear in this two seconds. Out of five, what do you give the review? What do you mean, five good or five hochum? I'd say five ocean. I'd say five ocean. But see, I'm a sherry five, man. I enjoy a, I enjoy a sherry. Uh, Christmas. Right, Tuesday mornings. <laughs> Whatever. You, you make up your own fucking scale. Okay. Uh, was yours the, fr- the, first, the first review of de la Donge out of five. Do you know what? It's nice, and that's all I can fucking say, but it just tastes like any sherry would taste. Me and Dan for Dan's birthday in January, we went like a camping trip around Ireland. And our friend who are away with Matthew it's bought a. Not that it's, bad, it's not, it's not bad. Matthew bought a bottle of sherry for like the kind of crowd and stuff I got. Mm-hmm. I found out the yeah, sherry I hadn't had it in years. Had a you know, one wee sub, two wee subs. He was oh, that's for the van, that's for the van, or for the truck and all. Did you say a couple of sherry, a couple of sherry temples? Did you say? Sherry blair. Sherry blair. I don't really like sherry. Is this is this like a practical? Is this like that's just standard sherry? Standard sherry. You don't like sherry? No, I don't like sherry. No, I like red wine, but. Hey, you could fucking join a bit of beef in that. Put that in your dinner, definitely. Put that in your dinner and drink a weird dinner. Don't like that at all. Jesus Christ, hey, you could fucking join a serious beef in that, too. Hey, one of them, we'll keep a doctor away. Or no, actually, one of them. A bit of rosemary, you know what I'm saying? A bit of rosemary. 100%. I do enjoy it. I love that dance on And that was a you. No, I love that shit. That's nice, it's nice. Right, so. Alright, so why did you watch this weekend? 
Uh, I watched Jurassic World. You were chatting about it last week, so I don't want to spend that much time on it. It was a standard action film. Like you said, it was just good. And there's, it's one of those films, like, you know where you get films that are really shit and you can talk about how shit it is for ages and you can talk about a film how amazing it is, but then there's just that standard film that's just good and there's not much more to say about it. Well, I, I think there's a lot to say of the amazing kind of when it goes a bit crazy moments. No, I mean, like, some of the action scenes are fucking absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, you were saying last week you liked the fact that Chris Pratt kind of went and was kind of a straighter action guy. That was good, but then at the same time, I think he came off as, as very dull. And because it's Jurassic Park, and you can have a bit of fun, and they've had characters like Goldblum before. I was saying last week, I think it could have been the perfect marriage like Goldblum and, and Sam Neill. I just thought he came off as a born for Chris Pratt. Like, although, uh, Bruce Dallas Howard, revelation, very good. She's always very good. What What did you think of Jake Johnson's character? Who's Jake Johnson again? The the guy with the Jurassic uh, Park. Is that the on? guy from, is he from, from New Gear? New Gear? I don't like him at all. Oh, but yeah. I, I, Which I, one was he in New Gear? I, I liked him Nick. Nick Miller, Nick he's Miller. like a love oh, yeah, interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no, in but, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like right. he's like he's too known or something like that. He's too smarmy or something. No, but that's yeah, why I liked like about it. He he's the one character that knows he's in a Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, I know that. And I mean, like it's self-referential, but it's just wait. How much? I think it's too on the nose. I think it's like oh, I'm in a Jurassic Park film. I'm gonna make clubs. He's like fucking uh, Jamie Kenley from Scream, and he was irritating as fuck as we know that guy who realizes all the genre conventions uh, and stuff like that yeah, and he knows what he's doing Scream, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean like, obviously Scream oh, was, was a whole thing stuff. about yeah Scream was made yeah, no, to be self-referential they, like, they did it through the film it was grand but when you had somebody sitting there saying oh you're up with Sarah's but you trip or no sort of stuff it's awful but I was saying as well like uh, I haven't seen Jurassic World yeah. and I won't go to see it because to me all of Hollywood cinema now is just so formulaic and so I mean not to be pretentious and all about it but you know I could sort of predict what would happen in that film even though I haven't gone to see it I guarantee I could, I could give you when you say all Hollywood mm-hmm. cinema you do realise that you're encompassing like, even indie films and stuff like that there no, you mean no, blockbusters no, no no yeah of course blockbusters, blockbusters you know, the, the, the yeah. big releases yeah. the big remix especially yeah. you know you know what's going to happen all the time do you know what I mean right. but of course I mean that but that's always going to be the way and that's always going to be that beast so you kind of go in there knowing that it's just going to be a popcorn film and you can enjoy it on a visual level. Right, like, I right, can't right, be. Oh, true no, enough, yeah. This will be a test, right? So you, right. you think you can predict what happens in Jurassic World? You haven't seen Jurassic World? I have not. I've seen the trailers. Right. I have not seen Jurassic World. Okay, so t- tell us in a two-minute two summary of what happens in Jurassic World. Possibly full spoilers for Jurassic World. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to spoil the film even I haven't it. Uh, what happens is that they bring this group in and they're enjoying but then what happens is that they meet Chris Pratt and Chris Pratt then turns around to a girl who what's her name again? Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah. And he says, "Hi, you're going too mental with these dinosaurs. They don't, they don't enjoy it." And uh, he's one with the Raptors. He's one with. The, well, he's one. With, am I right? Am I right? What I'm saying? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a club notes one. You're, you're <laughs> taking this too far. You know, you're going for the, the you know the big over the top scale. But then they they all break loose. And then it's Chris Pratt who comes up with the help of his raptor friends and he saves the day. Eventually, come out. I mean, I don't know the fucking ins and outs of it, but from the trailer, I guarantee it's not far. In all fairness, it's pretty close. (laughs) I I, I haven't seen the film. Uh, Well, there's other things in there, but it is pretty close. We'll give it to him. Fucking shoehorned in and all. That of course, crack, there's always a crack. Oh, that, there's, that is there's the worst. Part. Uh, no. I know it is the I worst really part. Do. You know what I've done like as well, just to go. Does he end up going with fucking Jessica Chastain? No, Brastel's hurt. She Bristol's does really look like her though. Ah, she does. She does. Shows how much I do not give up. They're both. They're both in films. That's not what I'm saying. That's what users are. Oh, they know. This is the one that I don't want to spend time on. So we'll we'll move on. Jurassic World. Good film. You know, typical fucking blockbuster or whatever. But the, the two films that I did watch this week was... Uh, I kind of went on like a fucking 80s teen comedy sort of thing. I don't know. I wasn't in the mood for anything sort of fucking heavy this week or dramatic or whatever. So I just went and watched like two kind of light comedies from 80s. I watched... Because uh, they're both on Netflix. Uh, Fast Times of Regiment High, 1982. Which is and Sean Penn as a fucking... Yeah, Spicoli. Party on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no? But uh, what, I watched that and I watched uh, Say Anything, John Cusack, 1989. Oh, yeah, yeah very, very good film. Uh, well, some similar vibes too. You know, we fucking. That's what I'm saying. Was, like, no, you know what it was as well. Is obviously Cameron Crowe had his fucking. Fang- Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times at Richmond High, and he and, and he directed. Say anything. It was his first film that he directed. Didn't know that. So uh, I watched Fast. I've never seen Fast Times at Richmond High, but always heard. I'd seen Say Anything before, but uh, what he called Lita, I'd never seen it, so I wagged it on for her. What I was really surprised about Fast Times at Richmond High is that I always just kind of had to paint the down as like a kind of eighties teen sex comedy and like maybe an influence for like the American Pies and stuff like that there but then when I watched it I was fucking well pleased to see that it wasn't that it was 
no real plot. There's a whole thing about Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, you know, kind of losing her virginity and becoming a woman, stuff like that. But what's nice about it is it is just actually looking at teenage life, but it's like a kind of sporadic look at it, and it doesn't really need to be an artist, but the characters are that interesting that you can engage them in it, like Judge Reinhold, and they're on this shitty fucking like job in retail or he works in like a, a fucking uh, a restaurant like a fast food restaurant and you can kind of relate that no matter what age you are because you always remember that time in your life when you first had your job in retail Everyone or, or doing something like that yeah exactly Dan have you watched anything this week yeah I watched uh, the Skillings ones and uh, it's one of those ones I've always sort of had on the back burner and I've always meant to watch it uh, I'm really really interested in seeing if comedic actors can make the leap and do something a bit more serious and mm-hmm. I looked at this film you know uh, Kirsten Wig, you know obviously she got very famous with Bridesmaids and she did very well but Bill Hader I always thought was one of the best on SNL and uh, I always thought he had a lot on him I think he could have went on and done more and to be honest you know, his performance in that film is fantastic I mean he plays a gay man and he's like camp but not in a way that it's like overwrought he just literally loves the character, mm. and uh, the, the sort of the sort of story, sorry, is that uh, him and his uh, twin sister both go to kill themselves on the same day, and they're they're far apart. Is that a fucking spoiler and a half or what? Like? No, very very for twenty months. It's and a whole plot of all. No, no, oh, I, okay, yeah, no, I know. Oh, and at the end. Oh, cheers, that And at the end. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's no, like saying fucking Mrs. Doubtfire. I do know you fucking dress up as a woman. Like, but yeah, she's like Kirsten Wig is like the one who sort of thinks she has Kristen. it more together. How do you pronounce that? It's, it's Kristen. 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 Kristen Wig. Kristen. What do you pronounce? Is it Wig or Vig? I always say Wig. Just yeah, wig. Yeah. she's not German. You're, you're, so it's you're over yeah, but it's, but it's two eyes. eyes so you're going too deep, man. Too deep. Kristen Wig. Her character was going to kill herself, and then she gets a phone call. Was she going to punch her own ticket? She was going to punch her own ticket. That's very nice. But uh, she is with her brother, who, or her twin, who's going to uh, kill himself. And then he, because he's going through such a hard time, she then helps him out. Because he's there, he sort of looks at her life and says, well, you know, your life's not all that good, actually. Mm. And there's, there's really good performances, especially by Bill Hader. <laughs> Kirsten Wake. Uh, Ty Burrell's in it as well, and it's a great so, turn by him. I mean, I think he's a fantastic Ty Burrell's actor. fucking lethal. He really is. I mean, Modern Family, they do that weekend with Goods Grant. I fucking love Ty Burrell. Yeah. You see uh, Donna Dead as well. I love yeah, that performance. That. He's such he's a cool so man. Likeable, but not he's such a yeah. <laughs> but he can turn it on because you know like from watching Modern Family and stuff like that, Ty Burrell can be really charming but you can see how that can be turned into him being the world's biggest fucking dickhead yeah, very yeah. very easily like you know what I mean? It's such a well judged fucking deal like isn't it? Yeah but I, I Skeleton Twins I really did I mean I wasn't too sure mm. about the ending I mean it's sort of open to interpretation I think it could have been done better but either way I thought it was a very very good film and Bill Hader is fantastic i think you should get more roles this week i watched x-men first class Ooh. because it was uh it was a daz day present Ooh. to me dad we got him x-men oh uh, you done daz day just day, day future past. i know for the listener uh in michael's house they don't call it father's day they call it daz day which i find well, very no. very cute and innocent well, no, it's lovely just, it's just me everyone else tells me to call oh, so you're, the, you're, you're the black sheep then <laughs> anyway do you all dress up in onesies and all that? Just me again. Eat more. A shirt and tie and pajama bottoms. You, you can't see him, but. Here's a man that was very fucking relaxed looking to drink. Yeah, X Men first class. Not what I'd say, but it's good film. Matthew Vaughn. He's, he makes good films. He's very good, Jerry. <laughs> so, Heron, have you watched anything this week? And I was watching uh, the other day, I was watching. Uh, the other guys. I, I went to cinema to see it a wee while ago. I was, uh, was going to say not recently. But <laughs> 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 no, 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 Natch. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Classic movies. No, the other guys. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing is, like, so, you, you know, you ever get film? Sometimes you see it with people, and it affects your viewing of it. Mm. As in, my, my brother has a. You know, I went to see my brother, my sister, and like I don't give a fuck my sister because uh, she watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians, so her opinion is pretty much redundant. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my brother, me, me and my brother watch stuff together and we have a bit of crack. But the other guys, and we like Will Ferrell, we like old school together and that kind of stuff, and Wedding Crashers, all this jazz. But uh, we went to see it and we were just both like, well, this is fucking bollocks, you know? And I just, just, I just get really, I, I just, I just thought it was a wild waste of time and this kind of stuff. And then it's just a weird thing. I, I think it, it could have been because I was watching it with my brother. Because I was sort of in that zone of that's our sense of humour and this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
And uh, what do you call it? Uh, no, I mean, there's there's so many really good things in the guys. I mean, I really do think that Will Ferrell is one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. But I mean, you know that jumping for the bushes gag between The Rock and uh, <laughs> yeah. Samuel Jackson? I think that is one of the funniest Aye. things I've ever seen in cinema because it really plays on. Like they just jump. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. Ridiculous. I, I, I'm totally there with Dan. It's like that. That Bush gag is fucking class because what it is is that there are two like stereotypical action movie characters, and you always suspend your disbelief in these films, and you can like fucking dive off a moving train on the horse, and like nobody bats a fucking eyelid. <laughs> whereas they're just diving off a building, which isn't even that kind of suspenseful in your general fucking action film so then when you see the bush and they don't have the bush it's fucking absolutely <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just even that line oh are you thinking what I'm thinking aim for the bushes that doesn't even make any sense <laughs> even if they hit the bushes they still die I mean it's just so <laughs> funny they, they obviously played a lot of Assassin's Creed Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, oh, the swan dive. Yeah, the swan <laughs> dive. Are we a gamer podcast now, or what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> as I was saying, though, like, I mean, uh, uh, that, that that is a thing. Like, and I think anybody that watches films or watches films you know, by themselves, just for their own entertainment or whatever, like, and then wanking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, and, and then just watch it with other people. And all it is that thing. Like, I mean, there's certain films I would just watch with my father because I just know there's certain films he would like. I mean, and, and I watch them beforehand to make sure there's no sex because well. Because then I have to take a wee fucking trip that, <laughs> trip that bogs. Well, oh fuck, I, I know it's sexy. He's coming up here uh, in my head as well. So she's so fucking dying for a pay. It's, uh, it's like the rules of reverse because that's what your dad used to do for you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or if you're watching it with your brother, it's just this thing, you know, there's a certain sense of humor that you have with your family, that you have with your friends, and it's yeah. different, like, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think you uh, nailed on the really interesting point, and I'll let you go back there very quickly. The only thing I was going to say is that when you watch a film with a crowd, you have a different reaction mm. as they, as opposed to like watching on your own. And I think yeah. that is even more prevalent with comedies. If you're in a cinema or if you're with a group of friends, you'll laugh. You'll laugh more uh, at a comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's <laughs> I always a. This earlier as well, actually. The fucking when you yeah, you, it's so funny you said it wrong. Uh, like, if you watch a comedy on a Sunday. Oh, given given the days again, but uh, you watch it in a fridge, you're like, <laughs> laughing your head off. Mm. No, the equivalent of a fucking really hearty laugh. Like, like m- most of the time, like you're just watching it dead eyed, you know, and your brain's going, I know that's funny, but mm. if you're with people, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but and then actually the equivalent of a really, really like a really fucking hard, well laugh, deserved laugh, a really well just... like the hardest you're ever going to laugh, right? The equivalent of that on a Sunday when you're watching it by yourself is. <laughs> exactly, you're right. That is, yeah. or it's like you're hungover or you're on your own, but it's, it's, it's usually a wee, a wee exhalation. It's usually just, just hmm. but one thing before Dan comes on here is that I think it's a really, really bad sign for a comedy, or you can tell the sort of quality of a comedy if you watch it with a group of people and there's not one audible laugh. You know what I mean? You see, the the mm. worst thing I really hate this about myself as well is that if I show, especially comedy though, yeah. if I show someone a comedy and we're sitting watching it together. And I constantly catch myself looking over at them. You know, like, I'm not even looking, you know, I'm looking to make sure they're watching it, but I'm constantly looking at them. Uh, I mean, and they're like, I mean, stop uh, looking at me, you yeah. know, and I, oh, it just becomes such an awkward situation where, like, you know, Cause uh, cause you have it yourself, Shan. I know you've been through it as well. You're, you're kind of previewing a phone for somebody and you're kind of going, like, fucking, I recommend this, whatever. And if you don't like it, it's kind of, you're sitting there in the edge of your seat and all this kind of, oh, fuck, they better laugh, oh, dirty points and all the things that I find funny, they better laugh and all. But the thing in a, a theatre is different because it's like, you know, you might get like like three people in patches in a theatre that laugh at yeah. one joke and then everybody just goes, who the fuck are you laughing? And you're all, oh, fuck it. Oh, fuck, oh, that's funny. Uh, and it just fucking spreads like a Mexican wave. It just fucking spreads about the theatre. Mm, yeah. And they might be laughing at a joke for it. You know, it just spreads. It's mad. I think in a cinema, because most people don't know each other, there's a kind of freedom, and you can ah. kind of let yourself go and laugh at things. But I think if you're in a more confined nice. space with your friends... Take your shoes and socks off. Who precisely. But no, if you're with your friends, it's like if you share the same sort of humour stuff again, sometimes it's not you're afraid, but like you're kind of self-conscious, and other people are in you like, is that funny? Or will no, I just give a wee laugh for a second? You're, you're in a big black room and all, and then everybody... In, 
that's the, the, the best thing. Like, when everybody in the whole theatre has a big fucking crack and laugh at them. Ah, yeah, it's so I mean, good. It's just like, we don't... It's like, a moment. I don't, I don't yeah. know fucking 200 of these people. It's yeah. The last time, the last time I really had so that good. was actually the first Hangover movie. I mean, I remember going to see that. And I mean, it was really like... You never saw it before, I, you know. I got in the third. Were doing, I didn't see like, the first know, one in the cinema. I mean, people love to hate on like you know the entire series, and fair enough, you know, it was all pure cash. And but you know that first Hangover film when I went to see it in the cinema, that was fucking funny. Aye. really. The hardest I've ever laughed on my own at a film <laughs> is uh, Mr. Topic. <laughs> Meet Joe Black. Really? Really? When he gets knocked down. <laughs> 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 it was the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. Just to go on this very quickly, the hardest that I've ever laughed at a film was along with Michael Breslin when we were like 17 or 18. We watched uh, the Naked Gun trilogy and there's this joke in the first Naked Gun and he's he's going through like this description like a perp or like a convict or something like that and he's all like, ah. Oh, Six foot two mustache, and then Leslie Nielsen's all at some size. Yeah, mustache. <laughs> okay, and they got wraps that up. So we'll go into news. I do this every week. This is copyright. It's not copyright. It's a news news, baby. Gets longer every week. <laughs> Eventually, it will be the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this will become an instrumental podcast. Me and Dan are mad on mouthbeats, but I know we're going to with some news, Maggie. Uh, Julia Stiles is coming back for Born 5. Mm. And. Vigo Morrison is in talks to play the villain. Oh! Like Vigo? <laughs> you know what? Like, I mean, obviously. Uh. Calm Heron done the nailed on Vigo Morrison price from Carly Rose Way last week. It was fucking superb. Lost fucking diapers, man. I would say it was phenomenal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so aye, aye, aye. Good. Uh, do but, it again. Uh, no. No. Nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> we don't want to rehash really all material, oh, even though we do it every single week. Listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, we're, 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 yeah. be, we're better. We're being self-referential. Like, we're like, fuck, I'm, we're, we're PTS. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? We're being self-referential. We're the avant-garde podcast. What do you think is Vigo as a villain? It's fucking brilliant because That's a fucking tremendous fucking choice. I've always said that Vigo anyway he's very selective on his roles and obviously after Lord of the Rings he was fucking offered everything you know what I mean and he's one of the most talented actors around and it's always been fucking mm-hmm. like it's really good then when you see him sink his teeth at the role because he had the road unbelievably he had a history of violence unbelievable and then you just want to see him get more and more fucking roles because he is so talented but I know that he is very choosy in a way. But it's now you could the same kind of going to a franchise because since Lord of the Rings, and I know he had his comments like we were chatting about before about Lord of the Rings, he's kind of got a, not a problem with franchises, but like a, kind of CGI driven things, and he's kind of more on the indie sort of I'm stuff. So, like, like, you know, what I'm saying is, is like, you know, <clears throat> I mean, there are certain things about the road you can say are, that, let's say, villainous, right? Because, you know, it's ruthless, it's not villainous. I mean, it's a man trying to fucking support his son and this kind of stuff and all, and there are ruggedness to it, but, I mean, this was the only thing that you could actually compare it to is probably some promises. Yeah. Oh, it fuck, really I forgot about some promises. You know I'm mean? lashing a boy with a fucking That's langer it. hanging out. But, but, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but, is. deck out, knife out, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, but what, what I'm saying, though, is, is that the whole way, you know, there's a wee bit of a spoiler, but, uh, and if you don't like it, then you can fuck off for a minute and then skip on. But uh, spoiler for what? Eastern Promises. Okay. Sorry. Fuck off their Kermode's podcast. Like all. By the way, I haven't seen it, so I can't skip on. I'm still here. Right. right. Well, take care. Of you. <laughs> you said you, 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 you said that daughter line, like, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> the whole the, the whole thing the whole thing about Eastern Promises is, is that there is a definite a, a, a villainous uh, attitude and atmosphere around him. I mean, he just looks like a man who's been in Russian prisons and all. That was the, the exact intent of the whole thing. And for a man to do that and have goodness in him, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it when they were thinking about as the villain. I mean, Bournes don't have villains, really. It's not that kind of film. Like, when the Bournes came out, right, they did a Bond films, right? Yeah. Now the fucking Bond films are starting to come back and fucking trying to find their own again. And they, yeah. they've come back to the old... I mean... They, they, they tapped the hat from the Bourne films and they're like fucking hell we actually need to really modernise Bond 
and then they went on and they went the Daniel Craig route and now it's coming back now so I'm kind of wondering if, if they're casting such a heavyweight actor in the Bourne films are, are they actually tipping a hat off Bond yeah that's what I'm sort of thinking yeah, it's a no, strange thing the thing is though you know uh, you know Vigo honestly there's very uh, there's very few actors that I look at and I think well if he's doing this role I'm going to watch that film you know right. Vigo is doing a role I'll fucking watch that film mm-hmm. is, it, is it Fassbender as well you know Fassbender does so many good uh, shit yeah. There's so much good shit, sorry. Just uh, quick reference, Fish Tank, Fassbender. Bam! Oh, that's a great, oh, that's a great film. Uh, it's one of his early ones. Oh, but Who is it again? Look, oh, it's, it's a female director. I got it, I got it. No, but you know, there's Fassbender, there's a... I actually think Gosling as well, you know, I really, yeah. everything Aye. he does, and, uh, and, and Mortensen as well as another one. Jake Gyllenhaal be one that I would kind of sort of... Actually, not even Gyllenhaal, because Gyllenhaal does more blog work. I would say Ed Harris. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah, but you know, the thing with Gyllenhaal, though, I think Gyllenhaal's sort of trying to find his place. I'm really excited for Southpaw, though. Yeah. I think that's going to be very yeah. good. What are you saying about him? Oh, no, I was just saying about, you know, Morrison, if he's signed on and he's doing it, I guarantee it's a good script. I guarantee it's going to be a good film. The man picks it, mate. The man really picks well, the scripts, that guy. He seems to, he, he, he makes good choices. Yeah, he, he does, does he yeah. does, he very, he, 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 Has, he, he uh, very does, he, he does. Just a quick question, <laughs> has anyone here seen Hildalgo? Ah, uh, yes, the horse one was I this? actually fucking like it, it I'm not psyched off, I've never seen I it. Seen I was it. just always curious. Honestly, right, 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 right. We'll give it we'll a time watch here. What is it? Let's see. I'll kind of watch it. Time watch with Colin. Because it, it actually, no, I mean, <laughs> it's it's one of those ones. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, when you're younger, right, and before you sort of going out with friends and all there, it'd be one of those ones that could have potentially been on at a certain time. Like, it could have been the big, big movie on RTE. Yeah. The Monday Night yeah. Movie. <laughs> yeah, but it actually, I think there's a bit more violence in it, so I actually think it would have been a bit later. But yeah. to me, now looking at it, it's, it's, a, it's a very long, big, big movie. It's one of those ones where it's a big spectacle. It's an Indiana Jones type thing. But I actually think where it got criticised, I think it, you know, it delved into a few more serious things where Indiana, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones didn't. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where it lost its audience. I actually think Hidalgo is actually fuck. It's a really good film. I, I mean, yeah. fuck. I mean, it's, it's silly it. in parts, and it's a bit ridiculous in parts. But you're kind of going, like, ah, fuck. I mean, we're watching a film. Yeah, the whole thing's fucking fiction. Yeah. There was a strange but one. Oh, it's, sorry, gone your stuff. No, 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 no. Continue, I, continue. What I'm saying, don't discard it. It's a good film. Okay, the next news is Uncharted, the Uncharted movie has lost its director, Seth Gordon, after <laughs> Sony has decided to go in a new direction. Oh. Well, can I just say, I, I think there's a, it's such an awful thing that there's so, there's obviously a big crowd who buy video games and they want to, you know, uh, maybe I, see their I, characters <laughs> on the big screen. And uh, the thing is though, is that video games never ever translate over to being good films. I mean, let's talk about films. I was kidding. I mean, I know, there's like, no way that's ever gonna happen. Tomb Raider. I mean, that's the best we've ever got. Yeah, yeah Shan, what were you going to say? I was going to say about, like, like you were saying, it's kind of a common uh, cliche now that obviously video games never translate well and they fill them. And that is definitely the case. You look at like your Mortal Kombat, your Prince of Persia, your Tomb Raiders. Resident Evil is fucking the main one, etc, etc. Yeah. But uh, a teacher of mine years ago, you had him as well, made a, a very good point and, and he said that the reason that he McGee? thinks... McGee himself, McGee. yeah, it wasn't not not the director, <laughs> not the director. Not my favorite. Not Michael's favorite director, but McGee, he was a he was a teacher at the school that fucking uh, that the me and Colin went the years ago, were like seventeen, eighteen, whatever. But he said that the reason that he thought that video games didn't translate well on the screen is because certainly playing a video game. You are that character, and it's an involving thing, and you're in there with it. But then, having to watch that character on screen, you're restricted in a way because you don't have any control over it, and everything that you've put under the character is now lost, and you kind of have to let that character go in the narrative that well, you don't have any control over, or you're not. I yeah, always no, thought that was a very true, interesting yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I will say one thing. No, you know, I've uh, played a good few video games that I really think are fantastic. Like, you know, have you ever played Fallout? No. Fallout has a very deep lower there's a lot of stuff that happened around and around that i mean i gotta talk to you for a fucking hour about how good fall it is in terms of a story right. but at the end of the day will it make a good film i was it won't. i was kind of wondering yeah are, are they going to are they going to use the on charter title and are they going to call it 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Or <laughs> try and try make it, more money. Try and make it Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Or try and make it Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You get the idea. This this is the thing with Uncharted. Uncharted is basically Indiana Jones the video game. So don't try and make an Uncharted movie. Yeah, of course. I mean? Because it's based on Indiana it's Jones. It's based on that kind of pop kind of thing from the 40s or whatever. You're, you're getting a weird sort of situation now where a lot of games that are being released that are critically acclaimed, they're excellent games, are complete and utterly based on films. So when they're going to be adapted on the films, people are saying, oh, well, don't make a like like you were saying, Indiana Jones, but that's what it's based on. So there's this sort of weird thing. Does the video game stay strong to its characters and stay truthful to that? Or does it just try and rehash a narrative that has been done so many times before? Yeah. Well, it, uh, now that you brought that up, even The Last of Us, which is a highly acclaimed video game and uh, and that is is being made into a movie it's that is heavily heavily influenced by the road the book and yeah. the film yeah but i mean to be to be realistic about it though is that art has always influenced each other too like do you know what i mean like there, there was a there was a this for french new wave came out of where it was saying like visual art and filmmaking and this kind of thing Filmmaking wasn't respected as an art for a very long time because it was a fusion art. It was a fusion of it was it was it was seen as a joke and you know visuals and you know this kind of stuff was all of a fusion thing. And now it's like the same thing is kind of happening because let's face it. I mean, visual games are a uh, visual games. Yeah, visual I mean, games. You know, I video suppose games to, yeah. are, are a fucking you know ga- games are a fucking art <laughs> form. Yeah. And this is what's happening now. It's starting to influence each other. I mean. It, it, it always has, that, you know, and yeah. it's back and forth, and they land things and they steal things from each other, and back and forth. And I just, I don't, I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing. I think it's actually going to influence, you know, better games and better films as well. I went and got a lend of the PS4 off one of my friends to play The Last of Us. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. But the reason it was fantastic is because it took a lot of cinematic tropes. You know, it mm. was a, a game that was trying to be a film yeah. so hard. And the thing is, though, is that you sort yeah. of sit there and you're like, why uh, you... look at Call of Duty. Yeah, but you look at Call of Duty. Call of Duty tries so hard mm-hmm. to be cinematic. Well, what's wrong with cinema? Why don't you go and watch exactly. good films? I mean, Do you mean? It was the thing, actually, what, uh, tailing off from what you just said and what from what, what Shan said, it was a, uh, about it takes you out of the thing. Uh, yeah. About what you said, Shan, was that... I think actually, I, I actually never got a chance properly to play Grand Theft Auto Five, but mm. it was this thing where they used cinema soundtracks when moments were happening and moments in games. They started to bring up soundtracks, and they were you know like they were like eighties films and you know this kind of thing, and or, or pastiches of eighties films. Yeah. But at the same time, you had control in this scene, but they were still bringing it up. You knew what was about to happen. You know, it was about to rob this bank, this kind of thing. But they were using that, but you still had control. So I think not that, diegetic. That, yeah, exactly. It was diegetic and non diegetic. You know, it was both. It like worked, you know, it worked, yeah. It was and so yeah. that, that's where I think Grand Theft Auto Five really succeeded as a fucking game. Like excellent. Now, one of the best times I ever had playing a video game was uh, when I was playing Red Dead Redemption, and it's uh, when you enter a new part of the map, and I'm just riding my horse in the new part. Of the map. <laughs> <laughs> when my horse is when my horse is galloping into the new part of the map, that uh, just this music starts playing, and I, ca- I couldn't even tell you what the music. You know, is. I, I played the game as girls really engaging. What's you the know, music? Really, uh... But uh, but you you just you, this music starts playing as you enter this new part of the map, Wait, see, that, and that, then that... you just keep on galloping. You just you're just riding the fuck out of your horse because <laughs> you don't care anymore. <laughs> you don't care if you have a direction. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Of, of where you're going <laughs> in that part of the map, it's just this music just fucking gets into you and you're like, I'm just going to fucking ride this horse as fast <laughs> as I can. <laughs> and it's fucking mad bastard. And I, I tell you, I read that horse style music finish. So she was red rolling. Bring on the next tavern. Bring on the next tavern. Yeah, we love fucking a couple of boys of scurvy or something like that there. Okay, that's... You start that, pumping out your horses. Okay, well, that's all the news, so we'll go into topics. Okay, so who wants to go first with their topic? Dan Kill. Dan Kill. Well, yeah, I'll go, I mean... I really find it really, it, it really adds a film, if I ever see a film that really is a part of a setting. I mean, to me, if a film is a part of its location, it adds a lot more to it. If you look at, like, obviously Chinatown, or obviously all the way down films, Manhattan, or whatever. But then, even if you look at like, the Ben Affleck films, you know, uh, oh, The Town, or, yeah, yeah, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Gone Sorry, yeah. I mean, they're they're very much part of Boston, yeah. And uh, you know, you learn a lot through about the city through the film. Yeah. I mean, what are your favorites in terms of a setting? Kind of acting as a catalyst for a narrative. I would say, I would say that uh, Spike uh, Spike Lee do the right thing. Perfection. Mm. Obviously, it's it's set in like late eighties, late eighties New York. It's a it's a set in Harlem. I think it's 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 raw it's raw eighty nine or ninety it's it's very very raw late eighties or early nineties I think it is Harlem, but the way I love that is that obviously that storyline is about the building tension between races between the uh, the kind of white Italians and the African Americans and it's building and building throughout, but the way I l- what sorry what I love about that film is that Spike Lee shoots it in such a way it's like on the hottest day of summer, so. You can see the sun, and it's really, yeah, it's really highly lit. And that only gives you so much, but the way he does it is he makes it really claustrophobic, so you know that you're in sort of like a kind of, like a council state or a sort of ghetto. Definitely. So, and I've got another one to come after this, but what I'm going to say is that he shoots, like, really high contrast colours, so a lot of the times you'll see, like, reds in the background, and it just kind of... It kind of adds the, the, the feeling of how hot this place is. And not only is it claustrophobic, but it's warm. And obviously, you know, heat kind of adds tension. And if you're if you're hot, you're crabbing, you're fucked off. And obviously, more fucking kind of outbursts are going to happen and shit like that. It's actually part of the script, actually, as well. Of it's, course. It's actually the thing that actually, when the temperature goes high, he said that, you know, things happen. Of course. When the temperature goes, goes high. high like the murder rate goes high, all out there, people are getting fucking mad in their head. People, people's blood is up because, you know, people... No, but really it's script. Like, I think they say it as a, as a prefix. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's a definitely good account because, yeah. you know, uh, Harlem at that time, you know, as a... As part oh, it was, a, it was, no, it was yeah. a melting pot. And, of course, I yeah. mean, I mean, I, I don't want to take away from the film the fact that it is a kind of comment on uh, race relations in America. But I think that the set in that film just adds so much to the narrative because it is about race relations. They've got these fucking high-contrast colours. Mm-hmm. That claustrophobic setting, it adds to it so much. Michael... Um, I just wanted to say that <coughs> film that I think is really just built around its whole setting is uh, Lord of the Rings. Fuck the fuck off. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if that wasn't set in Middle Earth, I don't think it would have made sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, same Belfast. Same Danny. Uh, if Back to the Future wasn't set in fucking 1955, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would have fucking believed it like at all. There was just I, one. I don't know who your man is. You know when he, do, he plays the nineteen fifty five version of himself. And he plays the fucking eighty five. I don't know who that boy is. He must be like he's like a fucking you know a trans agent one or something. I don't know what the fuck they're on. Like, I know it's a really uh, I so well put. I guess. Will, will, will we move on to another topic? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, perhaps. go for it. Um, fuck it. I'll do my one. Yeah, my ones. Only one. My ones. Um. My knees okay. Do you think that? Someday, in the future, that uh, cinemas will be obsolete. In the sense that, in the past few years, we've had films come out in the cinema, and then the DVD comes out the same day, or you can get it digitally the same day. And do you think there'll be a day where 
a film's released and you can just rent it on iTunes or Amazon the exact same day it comes out in the cinema. What I will say is that there will definitely, I think, come a day where you can rent a film off iTunes or something like that on the same day it's released in the cinema. But as for cinema's day and night, no. Because, yes, technology is at its highest point now and cinemas have had it with, with fucking stands so many obstacles like you had TV. Pull it this way, cinema withstood TV. If cinema can withstand TV, it can withstand anything. The well, one can it withstand TV again? <laughs> yes, of course, because TV, we're, again, going through, we're, 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 we're going through uh, TV to the sequel. <laughs> but, like, we're going through the golden age of TV. That was personal. <laughs> one thing I will say, though, is that the reason I think that, and I think it's on the mean hair and I've talked about before, it isn't even so much about going to see the film at the cinema and actually view the actual film. There's something about the spectacle of going to the cinema. There's something about going to this kind of darkly lit room with all these people that you don't know and watching these trailers for films that you don't quite know about yet and getting your popcorn and obviously it's a, it's a big it's a big thing for you know going on dates and stuff like that and it's a big social sort of thing. And I think, and it might be a bit of a tenuous thing, but I don't think that's an all day because it is a social thing. It's it's as, as social as, you know, going up the town on a Saturday, going for something to eat in a fucking fast food restaurant. It's just ingrained, personally, for me, it's in popular culture and it, popular it's conscious. It's popular social culture, eh? I, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, to me, I think that cinema, I mean, I love going to the, go see the pictures and I go by myself sometimes. I absolutely adore it. But the thing is, though, you know, right now it is, Anyone can find anything online, but at the end of the day, you know, I like going to the cinema. Mm -hmm. I like going and seeing this big, massive screen in front of me. Yeah. And really, honestly, if a film writer or a director or whatever has a, a story to tell or whatever he does through his medium, I want to be there and have it all in my face. And it's just enhanced. <laughs> it's just enhanced. I think they're, they're, they're all, all over your face, Nick. All over my face. All over my face. What is a boy to do? <laughs> see, see your art going just fuck at my faces. Hey, hey, see your film just whap it over me. But anyway, <laughs> like I was going to say about like going to cinema and stuff like that is that it is a social thing, and I mean it's it's so ingrained now in the popular fucking conscience that it is a social thing. It doesn't matter how shit the film is. It's just like you know yourself when you were like fifteen, sixteen before you could like drink legally. Not that we weren't, but like before you could drink legally, the only thing you could do before you could get in the bars and shit like that was you would go to the cinema on a Friday night, and there was this whole big construct about it. So it was a whole thing about going to the cinema. But then if you went there and had the crack with your friends or had a laugh, that was good. But then if the film was good too, that just made it all the better. And I think that's always going to be there. You've obviously had drive-in theaters that have died out. You've had like kind of three that comes and goes every couple of decades. Cinema will always survive. And I'm, maybe that's a wee bit of a naive thing no, because right maybe right. in 50 years' time I'll be made deep me words. But I personally do think that cinema is just such a part of our society now Aye. that it couldn't go. I mean, right. I, I think we just take it from the basics. Is uh, you, you go out, they listen to a band or you go out to listen to, you know, a book reading, or, you know, I mean, take it back to writing basics, no, I mean, well, just, I mean, the band thing is, is a bigger thing, like, you, you go out to listen to a yeah. band, and listen to the live feeling, listen to the energy of it, yeah. this kind of stuff, and, I mean, displaying the energy, what I'm talking about, is, like, energy of a band, it just, it just falters through the room, you know it does, like, and all, and then what we were talking about generally earlier, about how an energy just features through them, you know, yeah. like a laughter. I mean, I'm not just talking about laughter. We were talking about laughter earlier, specifically, when we were talking about the other guys. But I'm talking about how that energy falters through mm -hmm. the room. As in, you know, I think actually going out to see a commutative performance like, and going out to see it as a fucking pack of people and going to see that. You know, that, that yes. is one of the oldest fucking things that has ever happened. <laughs> it's potentially one of the worst things because it brings up one of the... It, it can bring very bad things, like packs of people going, I agree with this, I agree with this, but it can bring great things, as in people just going, fuck me, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, and it broadens minds. Yes. Yeah. It broadens minds. And, 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 exactly. and honestly, and it's just people going to see similar shows. It doesn't matter if it's film or, you know, literature or, or a classical concert or a band it doesn't fucking matter yes people will always go and see live shows I think no you're exactly right what. and I think that is a fucking proper excellent point right we're going to another topic here as well Aaron no, I'll go for one I have it is uh, the topic is uh, 
perfect films and as, as I say inverted commas perfect films right see because it's strange because uh, I think it was about three or four weeks ago uh, my uh, topic was films you want to see in the cinema and mm. you, when you came out you no, thought no, I'll no. never make a film as good as that but this is different because that Brilliant. was a film kind of restricted to yeah that was a film restricted to what you want to do as a filmmaker Aye. but obviously every film you've ever seen and there's certain narratives you know Aye. you can achieve there is just I mean, some films that are absolutely fucking unbelievably Aye. flawless so, well, I suppose what, what I'm trying to say is you might have a film with everybody loves, everybody's own, they, you know, it's just like, and, and you have to say, you know what, this film fucking ticks every single box you can think of, right? I mean, like, I mean, you may talk about The Godfather, you may talk about, you know, for example, you know, in my opinion, Inception is, is, is one of these ones that it, it ticks all these boxes, but... What 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 rules it out to me is that it kind of it rules out edginess, but I think that actually applies to you as a subjective watcher. As in, you know, everybody's going to have a a subjective perfect film. Totally agree, but I mean, in 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 regards to your topic, I would say that the perfect film for me, I think personally, is completely dependent on mood. Somebody mm. you could ask me, which for a film I'd mm. say Tax Driver, they already Spirit of the Behave, they already mm. such and such. But I do have a perfect film for you in response to your fucking topic, and my perfect film is The Apartments. But The Apartment was released in nineteen sixty. Right, Billy yeah. Wilder, it was you know obviously done double days. One of the greatest fucking directors I've ever loved. Billy Wilder, but fucking man, like. he released uh, The Apartment, and there's no coincidence that The Apartment still holds itself up today. Fucking what? What is it? Sixty-five years? No, fifty-five years after it was released, and it's still but it's still it still feels contemporary. The characters still Aye. feel fresh, and the reason for that is Billy Wilder's writing. And the thing I like is that it was during a time we would just see romantic comedies and kind of meet cuts and shit like that there, or you would see standard dramas. But what I liked about the apartment was that they introduced two characters to each other, and essentially the main character met. Edgy. The main woman through him basically her and out his own aye. apartment. You know what I mean? It's funny. It was, like, sorry, 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 go along. It was a really, really edgy, like you were saying, thing for the time in Hollywood. It was uh, against the fucking type. And what I'm saying is, I think that that is the reason that it's so acidic and it's so caustic, is the aye. word that I would use, mm. in its look aye. at love and relationships in 1960s, 1950s aye. America, which most 1950s, 1960s Americans hadn't seen. Aye. It was the first first thing they fucking whack her up to them, right? Because like no no like I'm pure with you because it's like fucking uh, one of the biggest problems is, is like setting up relationships with characters modern day. It's like oh they have to set up like somebody goes for coffee and they're in a shop and all that. Oh there's a chance meeting all this bullshit. And all yeah. it's set up really badly. What actually the more and more I watch Me fucking black and white films and all, you know it's like you know. I'll say the perfect example of this to me is when Gene Hackman and uh, Rose Shader are sitting there in that bar in French Connection and the whole basis of the entire case is based on a hunch by Gene Hackman. Yeah. That's the best example of it to me. And, and it's this kind of thing. But it's the same thing that you're talking about though. It's, you know, it's just like, you know... The actual the story is driven by by human impulses yes. and things like this here. And by this is what this is why we fucking love the apartment. This is why the apartment fucking transcends everything. Yes, you know this is you know it's like fucking the apartment is, is timeless. I because people are going oh no because they like oh it's in color <laughs> fuck off. No, the apartment, like, you know, the apartment is timeless because... Not only that, because the apartment makes you feel uncomfortable. Yes, and pe- people actually if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's a problem to some people. But if you fucking you know. If you actually embrace the fact that uncomfortable, if it, to me, it's like everything's been this my father, right? I'm gonna wrap us up dead quick because it's my topic. I'm just my fucking way wild. My father said I showed him Rage and Bull one time, right? And he's mm-hmm. all that made me feel very, very uncomfortable. And I said like, I didn't like it, didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, right, the the intent and the motive of that film at that moment is to make you feel uncomfortable. Right? Did you feel uncomfortable? He said, I, did. I says, well, that film was fucking achieved as fucking aim. Yeah, definitely. And that was that. 100%. Yeah. 
And so that was that. Like, and they kind of go on that as well. And this is the last point that I'll make. That I think the reason that the apartment is timeless is because it is fucking focused on two characters who kind of timeless sort of. Mm, mm. They have uh, timeless sort of. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? Dynamics, they have timeless dynamics, <laughs> and as well, you got caustic, right? Which is way ahead of its time, way ahead of its time. Uh, you have well, a fucking, you have an attempt at suicide in that film for 1960, mm. and it looks at the harsh realities of life. Which, of course, before I knew, just after the Hayes Code, city life, city life, like proper yeah, city life. Hollywood was taken away from. Like, really fucking modern. Great film, yeah, and no, yeah, moving on, Michael. Show, anyway. Okay, well, come to the last topic, Sean Coyle. What's your topic? Yeah, well, I've. Fuck, uh, my topic this week, I kind of had to uh, think about it quite a bit because I couldn't really think of one. My topic is, anytime you've went to the cinema or you've like rented a DVD or maybe like a videotape back in the day and you've just stopped the film, maybe not halfway, it could be an hour run, it could be 15 minutes and whatever, but the film has been so bad that you thought, you know what, I really couldn't give a fuck about the rest of this film. White checks. Now, obviously, it's different... <laughs> It's different when you're watching on TV because on TV there's no kind of sort of financial investment. So it's like, oh, you no know. Stakes. Yeah, there's no <laughs> stakes because on TV it's like, it's just it's just like a part of the fun of flicking through TV channels is the fact that you can land on something that you're not quite sure about. But when you go to a cinema or you rent something on DVD, you know exactly, or not exactly, but you've got a fucking sort of mindset of what you're expecting. You're locked in. Yeah, yeah you're locked in. Yeah. No, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, so, Mikey. Uh, I only have one film that I've ever actually walked out of the cinema of. And I would actually kind of say it wasn't really the film's fault to a point. Yeah. But well. uh, I, I went... Shy oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Shave> film. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, me me and my girlfriend, Jill, went to go see Warm Bodies. Me and Jill had been drinking beforehand. Mm. And we walked okay. into that movie and we watched possibly the first half an hour. It's a pretty good yeah, man because it, it was just you. it was just we 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 weren't wild on it in the first half an hour. And it you know, we're 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 in the kind of zombie films, we're in the you know, we watched Walking Dead and whatnot. And uh, yeah. they they they, cha- they change up the whole lore of zombies a lot in the first half were, 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 were you thinking what I would have been thinking is on fucking hell Holt I would expect it more of you no not even that air I was thinking why am I watching this I could be drinking right now Aye. because you, you're getting, the, you're getting rid of my fucking beverages I was, I was like, it, like, so. yeah definitely yeah. and then uh, my, my girlfriend turned around to me and she was all just I'm not wild like this here mm. you, you just want to go and I was like I right, fuck it let's go so that's the one film walked out. I've actually heard the film's alright. It's actually right. pretty good. Well, I, haven't, that's I, heard, I, yeah. I haven't revisited, but that's my one. I'll go for it, but uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, it was uh, White Chicks. Because <laughs> that's, that's a. F- you don't have to say anymore, really, on that one. It's an abomination, <laughs> right? Oh, I mean, it's that a film. A masterpiece. I'm, I'm going to knife you after The Oscars got it all wrong, like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, definitely. That year. Yeah. He's like one of the worst films I've fucking ever seen. Like, honestly, fuck it. It was yeah, painful to so watch. The only bad. reason that I sat through the end is because I was way, uh, like, yeah, I was courting, you know? Mm. So you uh, didn't yeah. even walk out of the film? I, I, I couldn't. You cr- you right, I well, had no choice. Why are you, know. you bringing it up in this topic? This topic's that. Oh, I was trying to walk out. It's just like I mentally walked it in. <laughs> and then we, we just started sort of, you know, finishing each other up or something. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, honestly, I'll, I'll say I'll say one thing. We'll, we'll get into a third act of the old point. It was like that was one film where it sort of made me think. Just you know, what uh, who f- f- from the fucking brainchild of this whole thing? You know how how does one think of creating that and thinking that that is a good idea? <laughs> and then honestly, <laughs> and it actually made me start. Really, it really, it really the, the film transcended itself. Perhaps this was their their, their uh, aim, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But this was the fucking effect it had on me. It's fucking shit. Please, please, two things. Can I can I say something? Is that I was I was I brought up some I brought up something uh, to somebody one day. I was on about that some like it hot. I was expressing my love for something like it hot and how it was a really good film and whatnot. Yes. And uh, the person I was talking to asked me, "Is like, oh, what, what's that about?" So I explained the part of 
these these two people uh, witness a gangster murder type thing. Yeah, it's like busy as a lot of They have to go uh, undercover as women in a in a band and whatnot. Women. And they, they turn around me and said, oh, so it's like uh, old-timey white chicks. <laughs> oh! I, just, I just realized that I didn't explain the plot of white chicks. <laughs> that line, what he just said, has taken about 25 Here. years of my life. <laughs> that just sucks. Every one of my organs is dry. <laughs> Here, I'll, just, I'll, I'll do a, kind of a, a white chicks and all two black cups. Ah. <laughs> Two white models. <laughs> the two white models get their tickets punched the fuck out. <laughs> the black cops gonna put some white makeup on. Racially suspect, who knows? <laughs> they gotta work their way into a little modeling contest. They gotta find out who the killer, where he is, where he sleeps, where he eats. They got a drink with this guy. <laughs> and they don't even know it. <laughs> oh, baby. My, uh, <laughs> my film that... I mean, I didn't walk out yet, which is a bit fucked up. And I didn't knock it off halfway through. Because it's, it's never happening. I always think that any film... And it's the kind of the reason why I brought up this topic. Is that any film, no matter how unbelievably fucking shit it is... Always deserves at least you to stick on. on yeah, it doesn't matter how bad a film is, you always have to stick on the last mean, minute. Dude, because I mean, personally, for me, you can't fully judge a film unless you've fully seen the film, and aye. it might be the worst watch you've ever had. See, but you aye. don't quite know what's going yeah, to happen. Two seconds, I, I, I made a wee bit too much about the fucking white chicks, but it's yeah. one of these things where th- this is this is where I got on this white chicks thing is just like. You know, this is someone's work. I was all, is it though, or is it bullshit? You yeah. Know, th- this is what got in my head. This is like, you know what? I- I'm paying to see someone's work, but it's not. It's fucking nonsense. I know the yeah. reason I would stay in a cinema, no matter if I thought it was shit, is because I respected yeah. the fucking work. But I fucking have no respect for that nonsense. Anyway, I, I respect my the reasons why you're just, talking about it. My film that fucked me off so much that I, I mean, I, as I said, I didn't leave the cinema, but I was fucking so close to leaving the cinema. It was like 2002 or some shit like that. It's a Reese Wallerspoon romantic comedy called Sweet, Sweet, Home, Home, Sweet Home Alabama. And I mean, fucking not only, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's such a cliche to say that obviously romantic comedies knock every sort of fucking uh, box in regards to the stereotype of that genre. But I think Sweet Home Alabama not only fucking knocks the box, but it just crushes it in front of you. Knocks the box, it fucking crushes it in front of you. So, she's like this big fucking executive in LA, man. And she you know where back. Goes, when she changes her accent. Oh, oh, oh fucking knifey. Fuck off. <laughs> she changes her accent. She goes back to Alabama. She meets the high school jock that she was always meant to be with. These fucking stereotypes you've seen in 10 fucking thousand rom-coms before. <laughs> but I was watching this for the first time. And I think maybe on a personal level, it's probably because it was the first time that I was maybe properly exposed the rom-com narratives, I think it's maybe stuck with me, but I thought, what the fuck is going on here, you know what I mean? I thought, this is the cheesiest, most over-the-top narrative I've ever seen in my fucking life, uh, and see, to be quite honest with you, I was sitting beside my mucker by Jim, and I was dying from the fucking spoonball my eyes out, you know, because I don't want to watch it anymore. Do you have a recommendation? Oh, baby, do I, I not? <laughs> do I know? My recommendation this week? Ten-second recommendations. Right, okay, uh, well, no, it's not going to give me 30, give me 30, yeah? Give me 30? Huh? Right, you've used five of your seconds. No, no, no. no. You right, five. Okay. You just used five ah! of your motherfucking seconds. Shut up, shut up. Right, 30 second recommendation. <laughs> I will recommend, and nobody else speak, Zodiac. Uh, the reason I recommend Zodiac is because it's David Fincher. He is uh, well known for, obviously, of course, like uh, being the, the, the most kind of... Re- <laughs> He's known as being like the fuck it. I can't start that again. That's He's known for being a fucking man. That's what it is. So my recommendation, yeah, my recommendation this week is uh, Zodiac. The reason I recommend Zodiac is because David Fincher is seen as being the most fucking hard-on fucking director there is, and he's fucking super precise in everything he does. And Zodiac just shines through. It's an excellently made film. But whereas most people know him from like Fight Club, Seven, even like his softer films like uh, Social Network and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. This is the kind of grittier aspect, Maxwell's softer aspect. It is, uh, 
Robert Downey Jr. when he was just at the start of his comeback. And there are some excellent performances on there also from Jake Gyllenhaal. And the fact that the Zodiac narrative is so fucking enthralling anyway because I'm he was never you. caught. I'm so with you. Like, it's like fucking, you know, you talk about 70s directors not there at all. I know. Talk about 70s directors with all the fucking authors and this kind of thing. There's someone who's specific about the way fucking yes. Fincher directs. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like, you know, you watch Star Wars Go, Star Wars Go, it's very much like that, you know, it's very much... It's so tight, it's so cohesive, but the thing I like about Zodiac is that it is incredibly, incredibly grim, especially in the final scenes, because the Zodiac wasn't caught, and you see what you think might be the killer, but yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. Spoiler, uh, well, 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 spoiler of fact. Aaron, recommendation, go. Do you know what, if I brought a crack, I'm just going to recommend that here with a vengeance. I agree. Right, okay. You agree? <laughs> I'm with you. Well, uh, uh, fuck it. What I call it, uh, right, simple things is uh, shooting in a big city, shooting in New York, shooting on all this nonsense, and uh, it's very hard to actually make it look like uh, it's urban and stuff like this yeah. here. And one thing that John McTiernan does is actually make it look urban. You know, he, he pulls in, he pulls in, you know, TV, he pulls in radio, he pulls in like, you know, like takeaway shops, he pulls in, that's all a massive part of his whole production, to make it feel, and it was one thing, like, I was directing an actor before, and it was one of these things, where I actually showed him a a sequence from fucking Die Hard, it's when, after they they finished off that bomb, you know, know, the water bomb, (laughs) which actually, if you actually, you spend two hours, you can figure out, how the things will work. You go, that's fucking impossible. When you figure out how the water bombs work, you can, you can actually do it. But when John McLean and Samuel Jackson are walking over that, you know, they're, they're just claiming a fence and he, and he claims everything and, and he says, oh, what the hell is that thing and all and then John McLean's claiming over and he just goes, oh, well, ghost chase is what it is. <laughs> Honestly, I show that to people and go, that's character. That, yeah. that's not that, that that's not I have to fucking deliver a line that's not nothing I have that line to deliver you know I don't even know if that line was in the fucking script you know what I mean it's just one of these things that's pure character yeah that's pure character and it's just it's a thing that John McTiernan is fucking he's a very good at delivering in the middle of a fucking heap of fucking bombs going off and fucking guns shooting everybody and all that and fuck yeah yeah that's what he's like, like he, he manages to through really good character you know he's got a fucking burnt up shirt and he's got a vest and all and he's got the wee signs of the first one but he's not he's not rubbing a bag on it he just jumps around he's like it's a fucking well goose chase is what it is you know you're just going that's sheer character just get sheer done character and it's just that's why he, Day of Avengers is a fucking weapon, like. Just get John McTiernan up uh, your hoop, anyway. And since, since we're tag teaming this one, I enjoyed the fight, the fat boy on the bicycle that explains Fort Knox to him. Um, <laughs> Dan Killen, do you have a recommendation? I do. I mean, uh, I rewatched Chinatown. I mean, it's probably my fourth time rewatching it. For me, Scriptwise is one of the tightest films I've ever seen in my life. Phenomenal. Really isn't it? Yeah, yeah Robert really Townsend on there. Robert, Robert Townsend, phenomenal fucking Absolutely script. Fantastic. There's so many wee tiny things that they Bab play down. on throughout the whole, the whole script of the fucking play or the film. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, actually, no, it was actually a thing about the the script of Chinatown was at the very very end. I mean, we've talked about it in the previous podcast, no, we have, but uh, I know it's just. I mean, that's probably a fucking topic for discussion at some point, but. Uh, Robert Town was like a golden boy for, for yes. scripts and so on and so on and really was but it was just at the end of Chinatown yep and uh, he uh, he actually wrote that under the script where Faye Dunaway if you haven't seen it gets her ticket punched and uh, <laughs> what he called uh, and it's just he, he he made that part of the script and actually the, the the script wouldn't have the whole film wouldn't have an effect without that to me yeah and uh you know that, that's that's the way it went like and he pushed that and i think he was fucking right on for doing that like, there was the whole thing in our own like obviously dan's topic and that then dan's recommendations about setting and he, he mentioned chinatown later on and what i think is very fucking interesting about chinatown is that chinatown obviously its title chinatown spends about two and a half minutes in Chinatown and it's the very end right. you know what I mean yeah, but that setting and the narrative that they've kind of basically wrapped around that setting is so iconic <laughs> that it just makes that setting 
so probably you know here. like kind of probably significant you know what I mean I'll, it's, t- it's I'll crazy. tell you Aaron you know the line about halfway through it when he says yeah. uh, what do you do in Chinatown and he says as little as possible because that's obviously the line that shows up at the end yes it's the night I actually missed that line at the start of the film and so actually I just missed that halfway through it I was doing you know I, I was doing you know I was talking to my mother I was doing you know, I, was, I was fucking chatting to somebody the whole film went on and then I came to the very end and this whole fucking Chinatown thing happened this happened and then it was like, as little as possible and I was just like what the fuck's that about fu-? yeah. and actually I was completely disillusioned with the film first of all that was like the biggest piece of fucking time what I like I mean <laughs> no, and, but, and this, no, and this you, you need to hear that line about halfway through you need to pay attention hear that line but I didn't hear that line and for years you're going what the fuck is this fucking show about it's kind of hanging on and I was <laughs> this whole mad perception of film but anyway this is the last point I'll make about Jake Gillies who's obviously fucking Jack Nelson's character in that <laughs> film we chatted a couple weeks back and it's a completely separate film completely separate genre etc etc we're talking about uh, we're talking about Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in China and obviously Kurt Russell's character I'm in Big Trouble in China and listen. believe me just stay with me <laughs> just stay with me just stay with me for one minute Kurt Russell's character in Big Trouble in China is presented as the fucking uh, the, the stereotypical action hero but the whole fun about it is that he doesn't have a clue yeah. going back to that is that if you watch Chinatown again and again and again and which I have and I've come to this conclusion is that if you watch Jake Gillies he is renowned as a private detective but Jake Gillies throughout that whole investigation does not have a clue and he seems really out of his fucking but, depth but actually, that, what he's that, doing. That is an archetype of film noir. Yeah. It, of course, it, it's it a man an out of his depth. No, no, no but here, we're just wrapping up fucking move on the next one. But uh, actually, that is an archetype. I mean, in most film noirs, you're constantly told you do not know what you're getting yourself onto. You really don't. You know, and that's the thing, that's where it transcends the big Deplowski. It turns I mean, this way this whole thing transcends it's just like is that bottom line and it's that fucking core thing of you do not know what you're getting yourself into. And it leads on to next week's episode when I'm gonna do a complete another analysis of all things from the wall but Michael Breslin. There we go, there we go, yeah. Our presenter. Okay, and we'll wrap it up there. And playing a site is Calm Hearn. Can I hear that mate? <laughs> <laughs> get that get that heavy bass going get that dirty John Carpenter sumpf escape from New York esque shit going down end of us going okay and we'll wrap it up there anyway thank you so much for listening if you want to get in contact with us you can find us on Facebook at Let's Talk More Movies Podcast you can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies you can also email us at Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com and if you're if you're with us on iTunes, Stitcher, leave us comments, reviews, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. Hey. You're red as well. Yeah. Ah, you like us on red. <laughs>